0: Turn up the motivation. You're on the Ziggler Inspire Podcast. Zig Ziggler wants you to be your best. Welcome to Zig Ziggler's Inspire Podcast. This is your host, Blake Lindsay. Today we will hear Zig's thoughts on what it takes to succeed in our life. Let's listen to Zig Ziggler. One of the reasons that I value and love my wife so much is we're on the same page. Now, one of the reasons we're so happy together is we're perfectly balanced. She was the fifth smartest in a class of 400. I was in the part of the class that made the top half possible. So on on balance, we get along real good. As I tell people, uh, you know, if she ever leaves me, I'm going with her. There is no (laughs) doubt about that, all right? Now, what makes that relationship? Well, first of all, you put the other person first, Do something for your wife or your husband every day that they can do for themselves. Two simple little things. In the nearly 55 years we've been married, in the two years, two months, and 11 days we courted, she hasn't opened her car door a dozen times. And she's one of the finest car door openers in Dallas. I mean, she is good at it. But every time I walk around the car and open the door, I'm reminded, here is the most important person on the face of this earth to me. Here's the one I love above all others. Little things. Years ago, I stopped carrying my money in a wallet. I folded over and put it in my pocket. At night, I lay it down on uh, the bathroom counter. She started counting my money. (laughs) And if she didn't think I had enough to cover unexpected expenses on my next trip out of town... Should always go get me some more. Now that's not a big deal, but what it says is everything. It says, honey, I love you very much. You're extremely important to me. I will feel better knowing that if there is an emergency where you need cash, you will neither be embarrassed, delayed, or perhaps even endangered. Little things make such a huge difference. She's known affectionately as a happy hugger. If it's moving, she will stop it and hug it. If it is not moving, she will dust it off and sell it. Uh, we will average hugging somewhere between 10 and up to 30 times in a day. They're not long. They're not suggestive. They simply say, I'm so glad you're mine. I love you very much you're special. I can't begin to tell you what it meant to me to have her, particularly the need for her during those first 27 years of our marriage. See, I've had my telephone disconnected and my lights turned off. Had to turn the car back in because I couldn't pay for it. When our first baby was born, we couldn't even get out of the hospital. The bill was $64. I had to get out and make two sales to get her out of the hospital. One five-year stretch, I was in 17 different deals. And that's all they were. During all of those years, not one time did she ever say, Honey, you know, it sure would be nice if we had more money. It would be wonderful if we had a little more stability in our financial situation. She never said those things. She always said, You can do it. Tomorrow's going to be better. And the two things that rang my bell then and keep it ringing today, I love you and I believe in you. Can't begin to tell you what it meant to me to have a cheerleader cheering me on every day of my life and praying for me every night. I definitely would not be speaking to you this morning had it not been for the fact that we were on the same page. She bought the dream of me doing what I'm doing. See, I had my dream in 1952. It was 1972 before the speaking career exploded That's a long time, and I needed lots of help along the way. We need to understand the reason I talk about balance is this very statement here. If all the gold in the world were melted down into a solid cube, it would be about the size of an eight-room house. But all that gold, billions of dollars worth, could not buy a friend, character, peace of mind, a clear conscience, or a sense of eternity. How do you develop the imagination that makes all of these things happen? Well, number one, you need to ground yourself in the fundamentals of whatever it is your chosen profession is. For example, Asian math students do infinitely better than American math students when they get to the advanced math. They do it better because they're so grounded in the fundamentals. For example, you can wake the Asian math student up at 3 o'clock in the morning and say, tell me what 17 times 23 is, and bang, they can just spit the answer out to you. They're so grounded in the fundamentals that when they get in the abstract, they don't have to even think about it because the foundation is so solid they can do that. Michael Jordan recognized as undoubtedly the greatest basketball player that ever lived. He makes shots that nobody else has ever made. Now, why can he do that? To begin with, he has great athleticism. There's no denying that as an absolute fact. He's a remarkable athlete. But also, we need to understand that he was one of the hardest workers at practice of anybody you've ever seen. He dribbles magnificently well. He passes off behind his back, between his legs. He finds himself in positions that absolutely have never been anybody found in that position before. Every situation is different. You never have exactly the same score, with exactly the same teammates, and exactly the same opportunities at the same time of the game. He's always faced different opportunities. So this is where his athleticism and his imagination and his dream comes into play. And he makes those moves and hits nothing but knit. Fundamental grounding is what I'm talking about, and that's what we all need to do. It's constant learning that makes the difference. Thomas Edison is famous, you know, for the fact that he had several thousand experiments to invent the light bulb. And when he finally did invent it, it was late at night, and his wife called out, Tom, put out that light and come on to bed. (laughs) Well, anyhow. (laughs) (laughs) After thousands of experiments... I tell folks, I'm like a cross-eyed discus thrower. I don't send any records, but man, I keep the crowd alert. And I, uh, uh, I think that's important. Edison was approached by a reporter and said, how does it feel to have failed thousands of times in this process? He said, young man, I didn't fail thousands of times. I successfully completed those experiments and learned what did not work. I now will put all the things I learned that did not work to the things that will work, and that's the reason that he came out with the electric light bulb. That's the thing that's so important. One of the things you need to know is that medical doctors, and I validate things in all areas, so I've got a lot of medical doctor friends. They tell me that 95% of all the problems they will ever encounter as doctors, they learn in the first three years of medical school. And yet they go the fourth year, and then they go into specialization, and they continually get uprated uh, because though they could solve 95 percent of the problem with a third uh, year of education in medical school, they want to be able to really figure out how do you solve this. Three in one million cases that comes along. That's where the imagination built upon all of the experience and all of the knowledge they have. They put the two together. Those are the great doctors that come up with all of those creative solutions. A choice remark sometimes will trigger your imagination and come up with ideas if you are uh, really tuned in to what you're doing. I eat, sleep, and dream teaching, speaking, My objective is simply to encourage and lift other people up. And so everything I see or read or hear, in most cases, I can take it, and that has an application. A few days ago, I got a haircut. My barber, Bob Colomb, has been cutting my hair for over 30 years. And as we were talking, the phone rang. He picked it up. He answered it, had about a minute conversation and uh, put the phone down and said, the guy wants to go to work for me, but he smokes and I'm not going to hire him. I said, well, I'm glad of that. I don't want any smoker in here and me leave smelling like smoke. Oh, he said, oh, he wouldn't smoke on the job. But the problem with a smoker is the fact that this smoker, when he wants to smoke, He's got somebody in the chair cutting their hair, but his mind's outside smoking a cigarette. I want somebody that can really concentrate all of their time on the people they're supposed to be serving. Now, what use is that to me? Well, that triggered the next series of thought. He's addicted to nicotine, to smoking a cigarette. For years, I've been interested in addictions, addictions to pornography, to drugs. To booze, to violence, to any number of other things. And what I've discovered, and the reason this excited me about Bob uh, telling me this, I, I never really thought about it. People who are addicted are inclined very strongly to become self centered. You come to me with your problem, but I'm thinking about getting a fix. You tell me about your problem, hey, I'm going to drink. This sort of stuff. And they cannot concentrate on it. You will seldom find somebody with a serious addiction who does not have serious relationship difficulties. And I'm interested, deeply interested in the relationships we build because that does make us more effective if we do not have that destructive habit that takes our attention away from our Project. Imagination can be very destructive also. In the 24 years I was overweight, I lost a couple of thousand pounds. Give a thousand or take a thousand. Losing weight really was not that big a problem. Uh, Let me tell you what my problem was. I would go up and down and up and down and up and down for 24 years. And the problem was very simple. I finally figured it out. When my youngest daughter was just a little three year old, I taught her incredibly enough to call me fat boy. Didn't make any difference how much weight I lost. The picture I had of myself was that of a fat boy. I could lose the weight, it'd come right on back because I had to complete the picture that was in my mind at that time. Now, the three-year-old had no earthly idea what she was doing. She was pleasing her daddy. I thought it was funny. Later, I realized it was tragic. So what did I do? I got on the sensible eating and exercise program, but I'd done that before. This time, I put a picture of a fella in jockey shorts. Now, I don't know if you read the jockey short ads or not, but if you don't read them, you at least ought to look at the picture. First thing you'll discover is they don't put jockey short ads on fat boys. That just doesn't happen. If they got a good year, they're not going to use them. You can absolutely count on it. When I went in that bathroom every day, I saw that picture of that dude in the jockey shorts and I said it a thousand and one times, that's the way I'm going to look. I'm going to look like that fellow right there. The picture changed and that picture changed 30 years ago and it has never changed since. I am a healthy, slender person. Brought about because I dreamed that I was going to be that way. My imagination went to work. I took the steps that made it happen. I lost those 37 pounds by losing one and nine tenths ounces a day on average every day for the 10 months I was involved in it. The weight is still gone. Today, I eat everything I want without a problem. Now, one of the things I discovered along the way is that if I did without sugar, the rest of it was extraordinarily easy. So on January 8th of this year, I quit eating sugar. No cookies, no cakes, no ice cream, and I am a sweet aholic. But I've got so many things that I want to do. I want to be active all of my life if it's humanly possible. I want to go out full speed ahead, uh, wide open, doing everything I can possibly do. Imagination does make a difference. My dream to be a speaker was born uh, in 1952. A man named Bob Bale. At a seminar I was attending, very important, seminars, other people teaching us things. I never saw a man have so much fun and do so much good. That night I made the decision I wanted to be a speaker. I cornered Bob, my wife, and I took him to dinner when it was all over. He told me some steps I needed to take. I followed the steps, but the dream was in my mind. In my mind, during these next years, before I ever got a single paid engagement, I'd made literally thousands of speeches in my own mind. I saw myself in front of an audience. I saw them sitting there in wild-eyed astonishment that mere mortal could utter such incredible words of wisdom. Uh, when I told a joke, they not only would get in the aisle, some of them would roll up and down the steps. I mean, they had never seen or heard anything like that. The beautiful thing about your imagination, you see, you can take it anywhere you want to go. That's the reason I keep saying make certain the input is positive, so the picture is positive, so the results will be positive. But the day did come that, yes, really, when I was able to not only become full time, but then the career absolutely exploded back. Back in 1972. Never ever underestimate the power of our imaginations. What picture of yourself or your opportunities do you need to change? Unleash your dreams and your imagination and see where it'll take you. Until next week, this is Blake Lindsay encouraging you to live your life to the fullest. Inspiring true performance.